Sir. Good morning. morning. Well, for the rest of you, good morning. (laughs) What dear friends we have and to these folks and to see Brother Tommy and Sister Beth following their footsteps. This is so refreshing and heartwarming and Sherry and I are just thrilled. As he came out of the office this morning, the first thing I said to him, you can't deny it. <laughs> look at his daddy, look at him, he can't deny it. <laughs> well, I thought that was funny, but uh, <laughs> apparently not. <laughs> As Pastor Sandifer said, we played a lot of chest together, and then he started beating me, and I quit. (laughs) I don't like to play sorry with him. I don't like to play uno with him. He beats me in all of that stuff, (laughs) but so good to see you friends again, and uh, if I pass the test this morning, Brother Tommy said I could come back tonight, and if you'll come back tonight, I'll tell you some IRLE stories that I won't tell this morning. How's that? I'm not doing so good, am I? Love you, friends. God bless you. And uh, Sister Paulette, you meant so much to us through the years. And uh, Sherry and I love you dearly. And Brother Arley, great preacher of the Word, um, I think in every every aspect of the definition, he's a statesman in the Church of God, and uh, uh, he has been in most every area of leadership. You know that, and I highly admire you, my brother. God bless you, and and uh, maybe some stories tonight about Brother Tommy. Uh, If I can't think of enough, Sister Beth, you'll help me, right? (laughs) Uh, We will embellish. Uh, (laughs) God bless you, man. We're so thrilled, just so thrilled. And when you called the other day, I was just beside myself. I couldn't wait to go tell Sherry. And and, uh, we've looked forward to this time. If you could do me one favor and turn off the rain, I'd appreciate that. <laughs> oh, yes. we Sherry and I preached all over the state. We are, uh, Sister Beth is the exception to this rule, but the rest of us are all Texans from the humble state of Texas, I might add. <laughs> Diehard cowboy fan. Would you please pray for them? (laughs) And uh, we like the Cardinals too. I'm sorry, Royals. Uh, You beat us, but I'm hoping for another chance. But uh, pray for the Cardinals. They are a dying breed over there. (laughs) 
I was thinking, I, uh, I, I heard a bad rumor a while ago. Uh, one of the young ladies, was it the pianist, came by and she knew that I was Assembly of God, and I said, there's bad rumors in this place. <laughs> but we preached all over the state, uh, first as evangelists, uh, and uh, there's so many memories through this area, and uh, uh, let me say, you, Souls Harbor, are blessed to have a pastor of this of this statue. Give him a hand. Good for you. Amen. Amen. So, so blessed. And, and the personality of Sister Beth, God bless you. Wow. Amen. Uh, such a, give Beth a hand, would you? Come on. Come on. Let me just reminisce a little while you turn your Bibles to the book of Romans chapter 10. And I, I guess that's a special chapter, I don't know. <laughs> it was a Sunday night, it was 1957, and I was seated three or four rows back. There were three sections, and three or four rows back. It's a Sunday night. F.C. Dozier was my pastor. You might remember that name, Brother Arlie. And my mother came by, and after the sermon was over, the altar call was made, and she took my hand and led me to that seat right there, and that's where I found Jesus. It was a church of God, and I'll always be grateful for those experiences and those memories Four years later, and I don't remember his name, but we had an evangelist there at Sulphur Springs Church of God, and, and he had been shot in a bar fight, wounded from, uh, paralyzed from his waist down, and he preached on a cot. You remember him? What was his name? <laughs> Did you notice he said, I don't know? He's a lot older than I am. I just want you to know that. What, from April to June, to, to, to November older than, <laughs> so, so he's a lot older than, <laughs> I just try to remember to get up in the morning, I'm so old, but <laughs> he was laying on his cot preaching, I wanted to be filled with the Holy Spirit, I just hadn't got there. And I'd go to that revival every night, and I would seek the Holy Ghost until everybody was gone. And, and uh, years later, my wife and I were talking about why it was so hard, and she said, you Fergusons are just hard to crack. <laughs> but it's a Church of God Holy Ghost revival. It's about midnight, Pastor Terrell Taylor. Sister Taylor, the evangelist, and his wife, and Benny. About midnight, it happened. Praise God. So thank you, Church of God, for all that you've done for me in my life. God bless you. Stand with me for the reading of God's Word. 
I won't be long, but I do know if I dismiss now, the Baptists are already on the way to the steakhouse, and you'd have to stand in line. So what do you say? You ready? Romans chapter 10, let's begin at verse 12. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek, and for the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. For whosoever, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe on him whom they have not heard? And shall they, how shall they hear except or without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. But they have not all obeyed the gospel, for Isaiah saith, Lord, who hath believed our report? Verse 17, so then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Just for a few moments, this one thought, and every born-again believer in this room, I want to be very serious with you. We've laughed together, at least a few of us have, and But I want us to zero in on the purpose and the call that God has put on us as individuals and on on us as a church, as a movement, as a body of believers called the Church of God. We are called to take this gospel to the world. That's why we empower and enable our missionaries. Now, I'm going to let you sit down a minute, but just hang on. You're either called to go as a missionary, or you are called to send those who do go. That's the only option you have as a believer. Tonight, I want to talk to you about this. What the Old Testament conceals, the New Testament reveals. And we're going to have a revealing here tonight. I think I'll like that. How about you? But right now, I want us to zero in on the one thing God has commissioned you to do. There's others, yes. But that one thing is to take this gospel to the whole world. Now, Father... I ask that you will anoint these humble lips of clay who in themselves are unworthy, but have been made worthy through you. Now, Lord, I pray that the anointing of the Holy Spirit will come. Anoint our ears to hear and our hearts to receive what you're saying to the church, and we'll thank you in Jesus' name. And everyone said, you may be seated if you would like. I'm not the world's greatest flyer. I don't get a thrill and a tingle when I'm told I've got to get on an airplane. I've had my ride, and uh, thank God those days are over. 
I've got uh, somewhere over 3 million miles logged in the air, and uh, I'm not anxious to add to that total. With that said, I have flown through the years a whole lot, and uh, when, when I was uh, in, uh, in national ministry, I, my secretary would put together for me a folder filled with missionary newsletters. And to occupy myself and to keep my mind off of that airplane, I would read those newsletters as I was flying wherever I might be going to minister, where it was another state or overseas. I would read those uh, and, uh, and uh, get the thoughts of what was happening around the world in missions. Now, my wife almost always took me to the airport, and here's what I want you to get with me. Just stay with me. I would get out of my car, kiss my wife goodbye, and I would walk into a building called Terminal. I want you to think that through for a minute. And I always sat, when I'd get on the plane, I'd sit in the Pentecostal seats, the back rows. I thought you folks back there might appreciate that. It, the price is the same up here. And I would sit back there and we would take off. And a few times I've looked out about those airplanes. I'm sitting at the back. If you look out the window, you see the wing. Can I get a witness? And you see those wings going like this in the wind. And one day it dawned on me that those wings were built by the lowest bidder. <laughs> Stay with me, I'm going somewhere. To get my mind off of those wings and the lowest bidder, I would read. I came across something in one of those periodicals that I have never, ever gotten away from. I want this to sink in. I want it to hit you right between, right in the heart. I was reading and it said this, 95% of all Christian resources are spent on the already saved. Now, if you don't believe that, the next business meeting at Souls Harbor, read your budget. See where your money goes. My church the same way. I'm, I'm, I'm preaching to the choir. I know that. And then I read 4.5% of all Christian resources are spent on people, though they're not saved, have heard the gospel many times. I might have even forgotten that, but I got to this point. The third thing it said, I want you to hear me, church, one half of 1% of all Christian resources are spent for those who have never once heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. Never once. 
Pastor R. Lee was telling me last night about ministering in some of the Central American countries and the ministry there. Thank God for it, Brother Early. God bless you. Brother Tommy, for what you're doing in this church and your travels overseas for ministry. What a vital, vital thing we must do. And if you can't go with them, at least send him. I want to tell you, he'll come back so fired up. You'll be in Holy Ghost Revival for a month because of what's happening in his heart because that overseas ministry. But I want you to think with me. A half of 1% is all that we spend as believers on those who have never heard the name of Jesus Christ once. Bear with me a moment. One of my dear friends said, what about those three billion plus people who have never ever said no to the name of Jesus? What about those who have never walked an aisle and listened to a national pastor preach the gospel and come to the altar and give their Christ their hearts to Christ? What about those who have walked down those dusty streets and never walked past a church and refused to go in because there was no church? What about those who have never read the word of God because they've never even heard that God has a word? What about those who have never hardened their heart against the gospel because no one has ever heard or told them about the gospel? What about those who have never ever heard a gospel song and said, I want to go in and see why they're so happy? My job and yours is to go tell them about Jesus Christ. We pastored seven years in, in, in Columbia, Missouri here, and, and uh, we had a young pastor who came to our church, pastored over here in Memphis, uh, Missouri, and the Lord called him into ministry and called him a, into missions, I should say. The short of the story is they went to uh, Guyana, West Africa, and there they planted a church in the capital city. It was an open air, just a roof in case it rained. There was dry season, there was wet season, and we're in the wet season right now. Seems like it's been for a while. Can I get a witness? <laughs> it was just wide open, and they were singing its Pentecostal. The glory of the Lord has fallen. They've won many to Christ. There's a hundred or more already, and the church is brand new. And Nathan, one of the missionary sons, was sitting near the back. That's where all Pentecostal boys do sit. That was supposed to be funny, I guess, but uh, he noticed a kid standing outside listening to the music about his age, early teens. But he found out that this boy was on the way down to the river to take his weekly bath. He didn't know anything about a house like you do. He didn't know anything about a bathtub like you do. He didn't know anything about clean water like you do. He didn't know anything about clean clothes like you do, like I do. That child knew nothing about it. Nathan walked out from under that little tabernacle and went out and talked to that boy about his age. And he said, come in and sit with me. 
talk to me. Let's just sit together. He said, I can't. I'm dirty. I'm not worthy to go in. He had never seen a Pentecostal church before. He had never heard a Pentecostal song before. Nothing like you had up here. I've I've tried to get a copy of the Church of God bylaws. I think it's it's in the bylaws you can't sing unless you sing good. I mean, dear Lord, y'all have got good music. Finally persuaded that little boy to come in. He asked him, do you have a Bible? He had never heard of a Bible. He knew nothing about God. He worshiped the gods, literally of the stars, the stones, a heathen. But he said, let me give you a copy of God's Word. This little boy that knew nothing about Jesus, nobody had ever told him. No one had ever witnessed to him. There had been no gospel message in his country until just a few years before that. Somebody had to go tell that little boy. Today, that little boy is the general superintendent of the Assemblies of God of that nation because somebody told him about Jesus. That's what this is about. So they can hear. Ladies and gentlemen, that's our job to go tell them. Oh, listen to me this morning. I ask you, is it fair? Brother Tommy, how many Church of Gods in America? America? A little over 6,000. Let me ask you. I'm guessing there's probably twice that many credential ministers. Let me ask you, is it fair? that across this nation there are 6,000 churches of God that do what you do every Sunday? Is it fair that there's 12,000 plus men and women just like Brother and Sister Arley and Paulette? Is it fair that we have so many to preach this gospel and we are fed every Sunday? The fat Christians, and I don't mean waistline, I'm talking about receiving the gospel. Go home every Sunday and feast on what we've heard while out there there are billions who wait to hear for the very first time. Is it fair so few of us have so much while so many of them have so little. Quickly, it's urgent that we take this message to the world. It's urgent that we as a church go forward. Listen to Exodus 14. The Lord spoke to Moses and said, tell the people to go forward. Lord, don't you see there's a red sea out Mountains on both sides. Pharaoh and his armies behind us. The Red Sea. What's, look, what are you doing? You're making us commit suicide. He said, go forward. That's what God said to church today. It may look financially impossible. But let me tell you, when we step into the water, God is going to divinely provide what we need to go forward. I've pastored, but we get so satisfied. 
Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I pastored, I pastored those folks. I didn't pastor this lady, but I pastored her cousin. She came in a few minutes before service. Somebody was sitting in her seat. Can I get a witness? She walked up. Now, Brother Tommy, this was an Assembly of God church. Not Church of God. You folks don't do this. She just, here's the seat. She just walked up and stood there. Finally, after an awkward several seconds, the man looked up at it and said, do we have your seat? And she said, yes, you do. I've sat there 40 years, and if you ever come back, don't sit there again. End quote. We've got our little routine. We've got our own liturgy. Oh, the Catholics have liturgy. So do the Pentecostals. I've, I've pastored. We go to church and we do the same thing every week. We don't break out of our routine. And God forbid that somebody... Sit in my seat. Come on. Are we having fun yet? <laughs> if you'll come back tonight, I promise it won't be like this. <laughs> Brother Tommy will give me some instructions and help me get lined out here. <laughs> ah, there you go. <laughs> in our world, there are two classes of people, only two. They're not racial. They're not language. They're not ethnic. Two classes of people. The people that have heard and those who have not heard. In the church, there are two classes of people. Those who go and those who send those who do go. I go back to my text for whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And how say they call on him whom they've not believed? And how say believe on him whom they've not heard? And how say they pre uh, hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they be sent? You and I are the senders. We've done a lot of things, and I, I don't know nearly enough about what your missionaries involved with so forgive me for making a personal reference here. But in the year 2000, I was in southwest China, just outside of Kunming, about a three-hour drive. Now, that's, I, we drove three hours yesterday, and we got here from Wentzville to, to Chillicothe. Three hours in those mountains in southwest China, we didn't go that many miles. I mean, it was four-lane road all the way out there until it became a two-lane road. And it was two-lane road all the way out there until it became a one-lane road. And then it was a one-lane road until it became a gravel path. And we were in the mountains. I mean, mountains where it goes, woof. And uh, you pray a lot. Missionaries driving, you pray a whole lot. We rounded, being in this mountain. The missionary said, see over yonder. I don't know. It was a lot of miles. 
just looking. Getting there was a lot longer. But see out there? See, that's the church people waiting on us. We finally got there. There was two lines of people, the ladies over here, the men over here. I wanted to go hug the ladies. I knew what the men smelled like. <laughs> there wasn't anything untoward about my preference of lines. I just, <clears throat> my nose works pretty good. But we all, all the guys got in line with the men, and dear Lord, you're talking about an experience. There's about 300 people there that day. Three churches have come together. There was about half of them men, about half of them ladies. The other half, I don't know, but uh, uh, wow, that was an experience. I met aromas I'd never met in my life. But we all got through the line, and the lead pastor said, let's go have church. And we went in, and we had benches like your, thank you for having altars. I preach in churches, and I don't know where to go pray. But I don't have to worry because they don't ask me to. I'm not trying to be funny. That's true. I mean, not too long ago, my wife and I were in church. This guy preached a dynamic sermon, Pastor. And when he got through, he said, stand. He prayed and he said, I'll see you next week. What do you want me to do with what you just said? Go home and eat. Hello? Are you with me? I never, ever sent my congregation home without a challenge and if you don't, if you leave, that's up to you, but you're going to get a chance to be in the altars. I believe in the altars. It's about like this, except Brother Tommy, it was, it was two by twelves. There was no pretty blue cushion. There was no back. It was a two by twelve bench. And I sat on that thing for four hours. I heard in places I didn't know I had. Oh, you're talking about pain. No back, and I have back troubles. And I sit there, thankfully we'd get up every once in a while, and they would sit down, and we did break up for lunch, and, and I was getting hungry because I didn't get much breakfast, and we got out in the churchyard to eat, and we had chicken and rice, and that's what they said we had, and I recognize the rice. I'm glad I ate before they did dishes because I washed, watched them wash dishes. They had a little, ladies, you know these little pans about this big, about that deep. They washed 300 people's worth of dishes in that one pan of water. I mean, you're talking about good soup by the time it was over. You know, and I've been in pastors' homes and we prayed over the meal and I, when I prayed, I meant it. <laughs> Think about it for a minute. I just move it around. Oh, God. Can this be over soon? I'm telling you the truth. But we went back in church and had another two hours. 
glorious, I'm saying glorious time. And when it was over, Brother Tommy, we had some study Bibles with us. There were three pastors there, three churches. We had two dozen Bibles. We took them out to our missionary's van. A lot like your van sitting out here, wherever out here is, but uh, took them out there. We handed each pastor a Bible, a study Bible. I wish you could have seen it. I wish you, and I'm not, I'm not trying to be uppity or anything. I just, I wish you could have been there and watched three godly men clutch God's word to their chest and weep. For the first time in their lives, they own a Bible. For the first time in their lives, they have a study Bible. It has Pentecostal study notes. And then we handed them 21 more Bibles and said, take them into the mountains to the village churches. And they found 21 more churches and gave them a Bible. I wish every one of you, and I'm sincere, I wish you could have stood with Sherry and me and Yangoon, Myanmar, Burma. That night after I preached general counsel, Mil Chet, the general superintendent, along this wall, can you talk? There's thousand or more people there. He lined up all the national leaders, the district leaders, about 50 men and women. And he asked them to come across the platform about one at a time. And the platform, Brother Tommy, was about as wide as yours. They'd come stand here. There were steps. They'd come stand here. Brother Miochet and myself were here. They'd come by one at a time. They'd shake his hand. And I'd hand them a study Bible. I didn't have it in, in the Burmese language. All I had was English. But I handed them a Bible to the man, to the woman. Before my wife is a witness, before they could go off the steps over here, every one of them was clutching it and weeping because they finally have a way to study God's Word with study notes and better understand the God's Word. Mil Chet, 72 years old. That was old back then. It's pretty young now. Can I get a witness? <laughs> he came to me after service and he said, Benny, Here's an old man that's led that movement for 20, maybe 25 years. And he said, across Burma, I have 1,300 churches. Most of them do not understand or read English. Can you help me get the Bible in the Burmese language? Can I tell you, I didn't have a dime towards that project. 
We'd raised millions, but it was already spent. But I'm happy to tell you before I retired, word came, we now have it in the Burmese language. And they took it to the Burmese pastors. Let me wrap this up very quickly. I don't think this is happenstance. I am thrilled that Pastor Tommy called me. I don't deserve to be in your pulpit. I sure don't. I'm telling you, this is a classy young man. I don't deserve to be here, and I mean that I'm not trying to be super humble, but I believe this is a divine appointment. I believe God had chosen this moment to speak to your heart. What are you going to do about the harvest? I don't know much about Chillicothe. I've driven up and down 65 Dozens of times, almost that many times, I'm 36. Been through here, not too many stops, a few times. Don't know a lot about your town, but I know this. There's enough people that used to be Pentecostal to fill this church at least three times a Sunday. What about the harvest in Chillicothe? What are you going to do about those in this city that's waiting for someone from Souls Harbor to tell them? I went to the barber yesterday and sweet little lady cuts my hair. and I like her. I'm telling you, I like this girl. She talked about her grandfather and I said, I'm old enough to be your grandpa. No, you're not. I said, yes, I am. She said, how old are you? And I said, how old do you think I am? I said, now tell the truth. She looked me up and down and said, I think you're about 64. I said, I like you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. she got two beautiful little boys. And I, I said, Brooke, you need to get those boys in church. She said, we, I took them. I took them on Mother's Day out to Journey Church. I said, good for you. Act like tomorrow's Mother's Day and take them back. Tell them about Jesus. But then what about Mexico, Latin America, Asia, Africa? I wish I had time to tell you some more of those, but listen to me. The harvest is great. The laborers are few. When is the last time you knelt in these altars and you prayed, God, from Souls Harbor, send laborers into the harvest? I'm happy to tell you today we pastored Praise Assembly down in Columbia, Missouri. Happy to tell you today a boy out of that church he and his family are missionaries in Zambia, Africa. Oh, we prayed with those kids. I don't have time to mention them all, but Brother Tommy, in your church, they're pastors. In your church, they're missionaries. We've just got to help them get the call. We don't call them, but we can pray them through to the call. 
I got I got to quit. I, my heart is so full. Was preaching in uh, a town out on the West Slope in Colorado. Uh, that night, after the altar, after the sermon, I made an altar call, and the pastor's youngest son, Philip, came to the altar. He'd just been playing with God, like some of you kids around here. I've been around Pentecost long enough to know there's, in every church, there's kids just playing with God. Philip knelt down here, and he wasn't expecting Benny to come by. But I went by and put my hand on his shoulder and prayed a little while, and then I knelt down by him, and people began to get up from the altar. And I don't know. I just have this gift, and it's called honoriness. And I just put my arm over his neck and lapped my hand, latched my hand on the other side of the back of that altar like that, and old Philip started to get up. There was no getting up. And we prayed through. He left there and went to Bible school. Hallelujah. Let's, let's reap the harvest. Would you stand with me, Father? Thank you for your word. Thank you for these godly people, for this pastor. Now, Lord, I pray that your eternal will would be done. Let the will of God be accomplished in the conclusion of this service, I pray in Jesus' name. How can the word go out unless we send it? And as he said, we're not just talking about to China, to Romania, to Scotland. Those are all places, Mexico. Uh, other churches in America. This church is known for putting boots on the ground and sending finances. And, and, and I'm, I'm proud of that. And that's wonderful. But we need to go back. We need to do more. We need to reach more. But it's not just those places. It's this town. Missionaries reach lost people. See my sister back here. You do such a wonderful outreach. Her yard is her church. And she touches lives that most of you won't take time to talk to. She reaches them. It's a missionary. She would never claim that title. She 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 would never she would never she never thinks of herself that way. I I, I look around this room and Bible studies in high V to the point that people come and sit at other tables to hear. What she's talking about. She takes people under her wing that are hurting. See all my men and women of action people. Goes into storm reliefs and 
other churches and prepares their facilities to reap a harvest. We have got to go. We have got to do. Thank you, Brother Benny, for such a wonderful word. I want us, as we close this service, I want to ask the ushers to come if they will. And I want us to one more time pass the plate. But this time, we're going to sow seed in a harvest field. Brother Ferguson may be retired, but he's not dead. I know what retired is like because I watched Dad retire. I had to, there are times I want to slap Dad. Before he retired, Dad made one of the dumbest statements I've ever heard in my life. He said, well, I think I'm going to retire next year. Maybe I'll talk to the overseer and see if he's got a little church somewhere I can pastor. Dad, that's not retired. But I see these two men. And they've been close their whole ministries. And because of that, I... I even though I haven't been as connected with Brother Ferguson the last several years, I believe we, we were hanging out together last time. I was probably about 10 or 12. Uh, so it was only about five or six years ago. Uh, but um, we, um, I know that he's still doing ministry. He's still, he's still traveling. He's still sharing whether it's in a coffee shop or in a pulpit. Whether it's in America or in another country. And I want us to be a part of that. I want us to be a part of that. Now, as we receive this offering, I'm going to pray over it, and we're going to pray the same prayer we pray every time we give an offering to a guest speaker. And that is that we're going to pray that God would take the offering that we give and use it as a seed into the ministry to which we're giving it. And by that, we're asking that any blessings that we would receive for giving. You know, the Bible says, Given it shall be given unto you, pressed down, shaken together, and running over shall men give unto your bosom. What we're asking God to do is, God, don't give back to us. What we give today, don't give it back to us. Every blessing, every person that is going to give, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, let them not give that to us, but let them add that to the ministry to which we give this offering. Brother Ferguson, I'm going to say this publicly. You've been around enough. You've stood in this pulpit. You know we're not the biggest church in the world. We can't give you an offering you deserve, but God can. And I believe that God is going to open a door through the seed that we plant. But you reap what you sow, and if we want him to reap a blessing, if we want him to reap a miracle, we have to sow miracle seeds. Not little seeds, miracle seeds. And so I want us this morning, I want us to give a special offering as a seed 
to Brother Ferguson. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you and we praise you, Lord. We ask that you would send your victory and send your power. Lord, as these offering plates come by, Lord, I pray that you would allow us to plant a seed. Lord, I I, I don't want to plant a dollar offering. Lord, I want to plant a $10 offering, a $20 offering, a $100 offering. Lord, so that we're not reaping a $10 uh, 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 reward, but Lord, we, we plant a hundred so we reap a thousand. And Lord, I want you to do miraculous things in the ministry of Brother Ferguson. Lord, I want you to provide direct. Lord Jesus, I want you to open doors. Lord, I thank you and I praise you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. As the ushers are serving you right now, let me just remind you to be back tonight at 6 o'clock. And Brother Ferguson is going to be back. And and, uh, I'm looking forward to revealing. I'm looking forward to revealing. And uh, I can't wait to hear what God wants to do. I want you to be here. And uh, I want you to be a part of, of, of the move of God tonight. Brother Ferguson mentioned a while ago that that he thought he might be a little stern and I leaned over to Beth I said everybody's thinking man he's nice uh he didn't sit down on the stage once um but uh uh but you know I'll I'll I didn't get a chance to visit with him last night so I will visit with him this afternoon and tell him just to hit you with both barrels um and because uh, I, I I won't I need somebody to hit me amen and uh and so um I'm looking forward to a great time tonight. I want you to be back tonight at 6 o'clock. How many of you are ready to see what God wants to reveal tonight? Amen, amen, amen. Thank you for being here this morning. Shake hands, be friendly, tell somebody you love them. Everybody, God loves them. You're dismissed, amen.